Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back. We're presented by Fremont Bank Full Service Banking. No compromises. Mark Randy and Larry Kruger with you in for Willard and Dibs on this President's Day. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're with you until 6 o'clock here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, Been talking about the All-Star Game, the dunk contest, the weekend as a whole. Uh, But let's let's focus in a little bit here on uh, the Golden State Warriors, Larry, because at the all-star break. Uh, things are feeling as good as they have all season for the Warriors. They're 27-26. and 26. Uh, Last game out, the Warriors earned a, a narrow win against the Utah Jazz. Klay Thompson coming off the bench for the first time in his career since his rookie season all the way back in March of 2012. So we're talking about nearly 12 full years uh, between appearances for Klay Thompson off the bench. He was really good last time out on Thursday against Utah. Uh, scored 35 points, all of them in the first three quarters. And the Warriors, after that uh, tough loss against the Clippers, where they had a lead and then blew it in the fourth quarter, they go into the All-Star break 27-26. and They're in a postseason spot, I guess, if that's what you would call uh, the final play-in spot. They're not in one of the top six seeds, uh, but they're a game over 500. Uh, they're in a postseason spot at the moment. Uh, they're getting healthier. Everybody except Chris Paul is available. Chris Paul will likely be back soon once the Warriors get back underway after the All-Star break. They play against the Lakers on Thursday here at Chase Center. Uh, there's some optimism going around the Warriors right now. I don't know if that means that uh, they're a legitimate contender in the Western Conference, but this is as good, I think, as fans have felt about the Warriors since maybe the what the 6-2 and two start to the season. Yeah, they're, they're playing well. They're playing well. They went eight and two in their final ten. I believe there's only one team in the league that has a better record. I think Cleveland might have gone nine and one. Other than that, I think um, they're playing well, and I like. I mean, it's amazing that it took until February for Kerr to put Clay Thompson on the bench. I mean, he his his uh, his season has just been a train wreck, and to watch him uh, be this. It's weird. It was like watching him as a young player. He was such a 
key to their chemistry. And I think I don't think people realize that he's still very much a key to their chemistry. And so when he's feeling good and can and, and like on nights when he had good nights, the vibe around this team is very familiar. But on nights where he has struggled and he looks like he's trying to find himself, it, it it's like the entire team feels like they're burdened by by Clay's struggles. So I love the idea of Clay coming off the bench. I thought it was amazing hearing him talk himself into it. Hey, he's like, oh, Manu Ginobili uh, played his whole career off the bench, and heck, he made the Hall of Fame. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's okay. It, you know, you've already made $300 million. You know, you've made like $200 million from the Warriors, $100 million from Anta. You've got generational wealth. You've had some crushing injuries. You're no longer the defender you were. You're no longer the three-point marksman you were. Instead of trying to desperately to dial it back to your glory days, just accept the twilight of your career. Settle into a real nice role. Um, if this guy would just embrace the intermediate shot instead of just trying desperately to find his three-point shot from yesteryear, um, he would be so much better off. You don't have he's hitting the front rim, he's airballing, he's taking some of the worst shots of any two guard in the league this year. I mean, he's just and and it's it's really disturbing watching it. So, I, I if he is now come to grips. With this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come off the bench. I think that's a positive for the team. Well, you were referencing what he said after the game on Thursday. I'll play it for you here in a second. First game coming off the bench since his rookie season in March of 2012. He put up 35 points and helped lead the Warriors to a narrow victory. Uh, here is Clay after the game discussing Steve Kerr's decision and how he handled it himself. Here's Clay. Found out this morning. Me and Steve had a good talk about it. You know, you could do two things. You could pout. Or you can go out there and respond, and I thought I did the latter very well tonight. Especially no turnovers, and I've missed a few box outs, though, but more importantly, uh, I realize I'm going to play a ton of minutes, so you just got to let the ego go when you think of coming off the bench and all that. So, I mean, I thought about Mono Ginobili. That guy has four rings and gold medal, and he came off the bench his whole career, and I don't think anyone looks down on his Hall of Fame candidacy. He's uh, one of the greats, and I thought I, I mean, I embraced it before tip. I mean, I deserved it, really. I didn't didn't respond to the not playing at the end of the game well last night. I kind of took it out on the assistant coaches, and I apologized to those guys before the game. And I think that really let uh, my guard down and let me just be myself out there. You can either pout or you can respond. He responded well, although it was interesting because the shots that you're talking about, the decision-making, uh, pulling up with two hands in his face on, like, a heat check three when you're already one for seven to begin the game, like bad decisions, bad shots, killing momentum. And then you're right, when when he struggles, he tends to kind of bring down the vibe of the whole team. Uh, those same shots, the things that were getting him in trouble and this team in trouble early in the season, those were the same exact shots he took against Utah when he scored 35. Like yeah. He just happened to make them that night. Right. So are we going to just suffer through the same thing with Clay where – Coming off the bench, no matter how many minutes he plays, no matter when he plays them, he's going to be in that I'm just going to shoot mode? Or are we actually going to see him change his role and his strategy and how he helps this team? Because I could see how if I'm Clay Thompson, it could be a little bit confusing. I go 2 of 9 from the field. I struggle. I maybe force a couple. Fans are upset at me. They're telling me that I need to take a back seat, chill out, calm down a little bit. 
And then the next day, I go to Utah. I'm like 9 for 12 from the field, but I took all of the same shots. I just happened to make them. And now you're being praised for that. It was the same process from night to night. Different results because he missed and made them. But if you're looking for a more consistent Clay Thompson... He can't have that mindset that he had in Utah because it was the same mindset that's gotten in, him into trouble this season. No, He's got to have a different role and, and a different plan of attack every single night. It's a, it's a great point because he, I think, feels more of a license with that second unit to hoist and to shoot. Maybe more of a responsibility. May, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's got to carry that second unit you know, from the perimeter. Maybe I, I just look at his numbers. He's a career 41.3% three-point shooter. He's shooting this year 37.3%. He's a career 85.6% free throw shooter. This year, he's shooting almost 92%. Mm. How about a few less threes, a few more mid-range twos, and a few more trips to the foul line? I mean, that's that's what those numbers say to me. Um, his field goal percentage is 42% this year, 45% for his career. But how about just a f- you know, because to me what I see, Grandy, is a guy who, because of probably the surgeries he's had, doesn't have the same lift in his legs, and he hits the front rim a lot. So... Um, how about maybe, you know, redefine yourself? I'm not saying that you suddenly have to become DeMar DeRozan, but how about a little bit of DeRozan's game? A little bit of the square the shoulders in the mid-range and find those shots in between because I think that shot is an easy shot for Clay Thompson, and I think that it's all about just watching the ball go through the rim and take the, you know, go, you know, go through the net, I should say, you know, Take a few more of those shots from mid-range earlier when they're starting to fall. Now push yourself back and stay, take some more threes. But I, I just I like the fact that he, you know, comfort is a big part of his game, and it sounds like he's more comfortable shooting volume, you know, a volume higher volume of shots on the second unit than he is on the first. And if that's the case, then maybe this is an ideal spot for him. Maybe, and that's what we're going to have our eyes on as the second half opens. The Warriors have a back-to-back Thursday and Friday of this week out of the All-Star break, and they're in a position where every game is meaningful because they're trying to stay in the play-in, and if they have a great second half, they could sneak out of the play-in and get into the top six. That is a tall task because you've got a handful of games to make up and a handful of teams to pass. You don't just need to play well. You need a few other teams ahead of you to struggle a little bit, Uh, so that's going to be a challenge, but Clay Thompson and potentially a new role is key to all of this. Uh, We just heard from Clay Thompson and how he handled coming off of the bench and how he maybe realized his previous reaction was a little over the top and not good for the team. I'll just ask you, Larry, and and all of our callers, 888-957-9570, do you buy that he is going to make a concerted effort to change? Because as far as I see it, one, I don't know if the Warriors have a, a great replacement for him. It's going to be Pajemski in the starting lineup, but I'm very worried about that unit defensively. It 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 was not good against Utah. It was not good against the Clippers in the second half uh, in the fourth quarter of that game when you have Steph and Pajemski, and then you're already small elsewhere where you have Wiggins, Kaminga, and Draymond, 3, 4, and 5. That's going to be an issue, but if Clay is able to provide you with efficient scoring off of the bench, uh, it, it makes 
It makes everything else easier. You don't have to be perfect elsewhere. Uh, so I think a lot of this season comes down to how Clay handles this potential new role. And with that in mind, let's go back out to the phone lines here on Willard and Dibs. It's Grandy and Larry in for the guys. They'll be back tomorrow here on 95.7 of the game. But give us a call, 888-957-9570. Up next is Skills in Vallejo. I know Skills wants to talk about Clay Thompson. What's up, Skills? You're on Willard and Dibs on 95.7 of the game. Hey, what's up, guys? I, I want to get your opinion. I've listened to this show for a long time, like at least 45 minutes now. I'm hearing you guys talk about, like, Clay and Draymond. We all know how important Clay's legacy is to him. And rightfully so. He's done a lot of great things. So when he's, you know, he's trying to say all the right things and trying to sound like he's okay with going to the bench. And I want to know if you guys think I'm a bad fan for not completely believing him, for, not, for thinking that he, his ego and his pride are going to end up hurting the Warriors again down the road. And the same with Draymond, who said all the right things when he got back from his suspension. And he's been more or less okay since he's been back. But Draymond's always going to want some of that smoke. And I just don't completely fully trust either one of them when we're fighting for the playoffs here, a playoff spot, or at least a play-in spot, the season's winding down. So I just want to know what you guys think about me and about those things. Thank you. Yeah, good call skills. I don't think you're a bad fan at all. If I mean, at least you got to just wait until you see a, a, a larger sample from Clay adjusting and realizing that the past is the past. You know, it's always hard to to adapt to it initially, right? But then one if if they can win some games and he can see that it's the best thing for the group, I think he'll buy in. Um I mean, you heard him there. I mean, come on. I mean, we. I love Clay Thompson. You guys do as well. We all do, right? Because there, you know, he's an he's an original warrior. They drafted him out of Wazoo. They resisted the urge to trade him for love. They won titles with him. He's a great guy. Um, he's easy to relate to, and I love the honesty. I to me, it's like he's telling us he's actually instead of giving us a bunch of crap, he's actually telling us kind of what's going through his actual head. Hey, you know what? I thought it was kind of a diss. I thought it was kind of a it was a it was a blow to my ego. But you know, the more I thought about it and I reasoned through it, and it sounds like he kind of verbally abused some of the coaches. I, I didn't really know to what level, but that's not cool. And just for him to kind of own that, to own that that being ugly, to own that being wrong, to un, to come to grips with the idea that you know what Ginobili's in in Springfield, Mass, as a Hall of Famer, and he he did what was best for the team and won rings, and you know what you can do the same thing. Um, it's and you know the other thing is Pajemski is a really good rebounder. And, you know, Pajemski brings you two, three, four more rebounds a game certain nights that he's in there. So um, I, I always, I've always thought it was, you know, in, regardless of sport, Grandy, whether you're talking about baseball or basketball or even football, it's easier for younger players to start and play than it is to perform in a tight minutes or a tight, you know, you get in there as a pinch hitter. It's much easier for... FP Santangelo, FP if you're listening, to come off the bench in his eighth year, ninth year, in the eighth inning against a pitcher who's throwing nasty, you know, 100-mile-an-hour pitches and killer curveballs than it is for Casey Schmidt to do it, you know what I mean, who just played in double-A last year or whatever. It's just easier for veterans to handle those roles. I think it's probably easier for Clay to handle kind of – 
the the second team assignment than maybe Pajemski. So maybe you get a double win there. So I, I just think that once Clay sees his numbers being good with the second unit, his license to shoot being greater than it is with the starters, and then the, ultimately the team getting W's, I think he'll buy in. I well, think it's something that we should see long-term. I think that the, the winning is the important part, because remember earlier in the season, you're talking about maybe how young guys feel versus veterans in a reduced role. Uh, the Warriors were really struggling earlier this season. Then you got all the reports that Kaminga lost faith in Steve Kerr. Right. Right. And, and it, I was losing faith in Steve yeah, Kerr. There was even some reports. I think Jason Dumas, friend of the show, uh, colleague here at 95.7 The Game, who works at Cron, reporting that Moses Moody's camp also frustrated. And maybe some of those frustrations are still shared by Moody and his camp. Because he was a DNP in this last game. And right? he has been. I, yeah. Maybe he played a little bit. He's been getting Clippers. in here and there, not much. Um, but he also was coming off the, the the calf injury or the hamstring injury, and he's kind of been in and out of the lineup since then. But um, the difference now is if you are Moses Moody, and maybe you are still frustrated by your lack of regular involvement, as you said, the team is 8-2 and two in their last 10. Like, they're winning. Like, you can't argue with the... The equation that the 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 progress, like if you were Kaminga back then when the team was like going three and seven in the stretch of ten games, and you were barely seeing the court, like you can understand frustration because you say, well, um, I disagree with my minutes total, and we're not winning. Give me a chance. Let me prove that I can help uh, this team win. But when the team is winning in the first place, as the Warriors have been lately, it's a little more difficult for an individual to be frustrated by their role. So if the Warriors keep winning, Clay stays on the bench, he's almost forced to buy into it because it's working. Uh, now, we'll see if it works or not, but you're right that winning is going to be a key factor in all this because say the Warriors come out of the break and they're 3-7 and seven in their first 10 and Clay's on the bench for all of them. Maybe at a, at a certain point he says, "Hey, Steve, you got to get me back in the starting lineup. This isn't working. It's it, it's go time now." But if they're winning and they come out winners of seven of ten to begin, and Clay's on the bench, then it's probably likely going to be that way for the rest of the season. Whether Clay likes it or not, he really has no ground to stand on if the team is winning as a result. I mean, look at the bench. Um, shot attempts, Grandy, in the Utah game. Warriors won one forty one thirty seven. This is what the this is what the guys who played in the second unit took for shots. Sarich took four, made two. Looney took one, missed it. Trace Jackson Davis took two, made one. GP two took three, made two. Kinonas took two and made one. And then Clay Thompson took twenty two <laughs> shots. Shots are there for him to take on the bench and I mean. made thirteen. Okay, so you know that this you know this guy loves to shoot the basketball. This is what he does best. This I mean, he's he's never been the big assist guy. He's never he's been a good defender and he's been again been a good rebounder. But his thing is shooting the ball. That's what he wants to do. That's where he feels most comfortable. If being on the second unit gives him license to hoist. Maybe that changes his mindset and his enthusiasm for the game altogether. But you're right. It's going to come down to are they getting W's. But I love the idea of Pajemski in that first group because he's, you know, on a, uh, when he's on the floor with Steph and Wiggins and Kuminga, um, you know, those guys are going to want to shoot. Draymond's going to shoot a lot as well, even though he probably shouldn't. Pajemski can can rebound. 
And when you're pulling eight rebounds as a as a guard, as the smallest guy on the floor, or one of the smallest guys on the floor, that's a that's a shot in the arm to your team. So um, maybe Pajemski's rebounding can help the first unit. Maybe Clay's, you know, kind of the thumbs up to just shoot in mass when the with the second unit. Maybe that's exactly what he needs right now. Maybe, but I would maybe fire back, and I get that maybe the shots are there considering what else the second unit is, and things probably look a little bit different once Chris Paul comes back. That might actually help Clay get more looks and better looks consistently. Yeah. But again, it has been shot selection and just volume of shots that Clay has taken that has gotten him in trouble this year. So I don't know if saying Clay, all right, like go up and put 15 shots up a night if that's really the answer. Again, we got a, a, a clay heater game against Utah off the bench, but I mean, we've gotten those in the past when he was a starter this season. Then he follows it up by going, you know, five for his next 23 from the field over the span of a couple of games. Like, I just don't want to overreact to one good game because it happened to be him coming off of the bench when in reality it was probably just a, a game where his shots were falling. And well, the next time out, he might struggle off the bench. You oh, Look at the assist total, too, from those guys on the bench. I mean, there's 13 assists between Sarich, Looney, TJD, Peyton, and Quinones. 13 assists. So that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's a lot of assists in, in, in from your bench uh, group. So maybe... It wasn't just having Clay out there. Maybe having Clay out there as the guy that you're trying to cycle the ball back to made some of these other guys make that one extra pass. Maybe that had a little something to do with it. I mean, the only I mean the point totals for the bench for the rest of the bench in the Utah game, Kinonis had six, Peyton had four, uh, TJD had four, and Sarich had seven, and Looney didn't score at all. So. You know, it wasn't like they put up big point totals, but they also didn't shoot the ball, and and they did they did have a number of assists. So maybe it's maybe it's a combination of that second unit kind of looking to to kind of instead of like the first unit looks to set up Steph Curry, maybe the second unit looks to set up Clay Thompson, and maybe he gets a little bit better as far as moving off the ball with that second unit because he knows he's playing with four other guys who are trying to get him good looks. Yeah, and that will change, and it will be even easier on him with Chris Paul back, uh, which he will be reevaluated later on this week. Uh, maybe he's back sooner as opposed to later. Maybe he only misses a couple of games here out of the break. All right, let's sneak a phone call in here before we go to break. 888-957-9570. That's the number to call. Uh, Mark in Milbrae is up next. Mark, what's up? You're on Willard and Dibs here on 95.7 The Game. How you doing? What's up, guys? Yeah, to me, I think Clay is starting to realize, hopefully at this point, I think his best role for the Warriors to excel going forward is to him is to be a sixth man. And there's nothing wrong with that. He mentioned one of the guys, Manu Ginobili, an all-time great who was as critical to the Spurs winning titles as Duncan and, and Parker. But to me, I look at a better comparison to him would be uh, Ray Allen, Hall of Famer, who was probably at his peak better than Clay and transitioned to the bench and was critical uh, towards the end coming off the bench for the Celtics and even uh, the Heat there with LeBron and Wade helping them win a couple titles there. So Clay could check his ego like Curry did, who's probably all time the greatest shooter of all time, to come off the bench. And you see with this lineup now, because he's still going to be playing 30-plus minutes, so he's still going to be an important part of the core, and he can probably be the best sixth man in the league, and he's still going to get 20-plus points and play huge minutes. Uh, if somebody's struggling, Podemski 
or Wiggins is off, you know Kerr's going to leave him on the floor. So even if he's not starting, it's not really a re- relegation because towards the end of the minutes in crunch time, he's still going to be on the court. And so I think he could be a major factor. I think what we saw in that Utah game was a preview of what he do. Obviously, he's not going to go off for 35 every game, but he's going to be the main offensive weapon on the floor with the second unit. So I think if he realizes this, he not only can help the Warriors, but he can extend his career because I don't think right at this point going forward, he's really a starting type player anymore. And so hopefully he can realize going forward because he's more valuable to the Warriors than he is to any other franchise. And hopefully he doesn't let his ego get in the way and end up going to some awful franchise just to start and never be relevant again in terms of winning as opposed to retiring as a squash brother, as a lifetime warrior. So I hope going forward that's going to realize he's going to be his best role. Thanks for the time, fellas. Yeah, yeah. I- I'll say this. I love a d- the dynamic when you have a guy coming off your bench who's not just can score a little, but can score a lot. I mean, I think of Sacramento. Sacramento's third leading scorer is Malik Monk. He hasn't started one game all year, and yet he averages 15 a game, and he's got license to really, really put up shots in that second unit. And you know what? Clay Thompson could do a lot of the same things. I mean, he could he could give you twenty five to twenty seven really great bench minutes, and um, and I, I, as long as he buys in and doesn't think it's some kind of demotion or he's been relegated to the bench, that he understands that the team really needs him to perform in those minutes. I think he'll, and as long as the W's follow, and it's going to take it's going to take a couple weeks, Grandy, of them winning games this way. If they win games this way, I think he'll buy in fully. Yeah, you got to hope so if you're a Warrior fan, because yeah. a lot hinges on Clay and his role on the bench. All right, time for a break here on Willard and Dibs. It's Grandy and Larry in for the guys. They'll be back tomorrow here on ninety-five-seven. The game. More on Clay. Some comparisons. Our caller bringing up Ray Allen. We can talk about Andre Iguodala as well. Went to the bench on this. Warriors team years ago that helped lead to the dynasty. We can talk about that and a whole lot more as Willard and Dibs continues right here on 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. 
Welcome back. It's Mark Randy and Larry Kruger in for Willard and Dibbs today. They'll be back tomorrow on 95.7 The Game. Larry and I with you until 6 here on 95.7 The Game. Talking Warriors and specifically Clay Thompson. Um, if you haven't already, make sure to, to subscribe to Willard and Dibbs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite podcast. And while you're there, you can also check out the Morning Roast. Uh, today, it was Shasky and FP uh, who was filling in for Bonte today. And then Steiny and Goo earlier today as well with a Steiny and Evan. Evan filling in for Guru. Good content as always uh, here on 95.7 The Game. And you can find it all on the free Odyssey app. Just search 95.7 The Game or for the individual shows. Uh, Larry, our, our caller on the other side of the break, uh, I thought brought up a good name as a uh, a comparison to Clay Ray Allen. Ray Allen completely changed his game, like early in his career to the end of his career. Nowhere near the same basketball player. He became an entirely different player. He obviously was always a good shooter, um, but he focused a lot more on that. Obviously, the athleticism that he had went away. I know Clay was never an elite athlete, but he's certainly not as athletic as he once was uh, with two major injuries, getting up there in age, obviously. Um, that is a name and, and maybe a, a career path that Clay Thompson can uh, look to uh, and, and maybe can can liken his career to one of Ray Allen. Uh, I also think... I'll give you another one. Yeah, give it to me. <clears throat> well, I mean, I think of one of the great athletes that I've ever seen come out of college was Andre Iguodala. Glad and you said that. Iguodala, this is what his game started, looked like. 82, 82, 76. He started all 76 his third year. 82, 82, 82. Then he played 67, 62, 80, 63. He was 30, all through his 30s, he played every game. All through his 20s, I should say. When he got to 31, 77 games all off the bench. 65 games, only one start. 76 games all off the bench. 17-18 with Golden State. 64 games, seven starts. He basically only started a handful of games every year from age 31 to when he finished in the league at 39. So, I mean, it's just... this that There's your template. You know, Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala was a all was a Finals MVP. He contributed to lots and lots of the greatest winning teams in the history of this league with Golden State, and um, he never lost face in the room. He never lost face uh, among his peers. Um, he was valued for what he could contribute. He didn't. He played 37, 39, 40, 38 minutes early in his career. From in his 30s, he played more like 26, 26, 25, 23, 21, um, down to 14 his last year in the league. So I'm just saying it's a natural progression. It's it's natural to go through it, and um, and you've seen guys that you know that you played with who did it and did it well. Yeah, so do you have a name for us, a, a trajectory, a career that Clay should maybe liken his to? I'm glad that you brought up Andre Iguodala because I was going to bring that up as well. But if any other names pop into your mind, give us a call, 888-957-9570. That's also the Comcast Business text line. Uh, shout out to the 447 who says, Dub Nation is all in on Clay as the best sixth man in the NBA. That would definitely be a shot in the arm for the Warriors. But I was thinking as well about Andre Iguodala and how he 
sacrificed for the betterment of the team. I mean, he was a perennial all-star. He was like the the chosen guy for the 76ers and was their all-star and was their leading scorer. And with the Warriors, he was never really a scorer. Then he had that one year in Denver. The Warriors beat him in the Nuggets in the playoffs. And then he came to the Golden State Warriors. And I think we all kind of, maybe we oversimplify um, what that took and what that meant to Andre Iguodala. It was not easy for Iguodala to accept the bench role. Thinking about this and, and hoping that the conversation today went here, I, I dug up some quotes from Andre Iguodala talking about when Steve Kerr said you're going to be coming off the bench. We're going to start uh, Draymond Green and Harrison Barnes and Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry alongside Andrew Bogut. Uh, and he said, quote, There'd be times when Steve would come up and say, come in and find the flow. And then I found the flow. And then I'm like, okay, now is my time where I can get a shot up or I can get into my individual game and make that part work. And then suddenly I'd be substituted out. You did your job. Good job. And I'd be like, okay, my flow was thrown off finding the team's flow. Uh, And he was encouraged by Stephen Curry. He'd say, uh, you know, this thing is rolling because you're a part of it and you are sacrificing. Just keep believing in it. Uh, he, He got to a point where he said his trainer would get texts after games saying that he'd, quote, fallen off. He wondered whether moving to the bench signified the start of a new chapter in his basketball career, one of mediocrity and irrelevance. Uh, more from Iguodala. Uh, you go through a half, and it was like you had two shots, and you'd have two assists, and you'd have three rebounds. And it was like your stats say, quote, you played bad. But Steve would be like, no, you played awesome tonight. You were a reason why we won this basketball game. So the idea that Iguodala was so open to accepting this kind of role, that's false. It's not true. He was he was concerned. It took him a while to realize the impact that he was having. And then once he saw the team, you know, run all the way to the one seed in the West and go all the way to the finals when he then became a starter to guard LeBron and won finals MVP, it was all good then. But it was a little bumpy for Iguodala personally. So I feel like we got to give Clay Thompson a little bit of leeway to understand this is not easy for him to do just like it wasn't easy for Andre Iguodala and Iguodala never won anything before that he he was never won a championship Clay's won four Iguodala may be a hall of famer probably not I don't know Clay Thompson's certainly a hall of famer like this is not an easy thing for Clay Thompson to change and to get used to if it wasn't easy for Iguodala it sure as hell isn't going to be easy for Clay either. Yeah, it, it, what it does is it tests your basketball intellect. Yeah, you know, because Andre Iguodala was a high flyer, but then also a very he, smart basketball. He player. was an incredibly smart player, and that that basketball intellect came th- shined way brighter in his thirties than it did in his twenties. And and Clay's got Clay. I think's a guy that likes to kind of mentally shut it off and just kind of feel it, feel the game. Um, but he's just got to remember that, you know, the team still needs him to shoot um, and maybe even shoot in volume the way he did in their in their heyday. But they need him to do it with the second unit and they need him to do it in the flow. And um, 
And, you know, and this is going to be a challenge for Pajemski as well because they're going to need more than, you know, eight or nine points a game. They're going to need him to get into double figures and be more consistent offensively with what he contributes with the starting five. But I just I just wouldn't look at it as as any kind of a demotion, you know. It's like, but you're right. It's going to take the team winning some games before he's really going to buy into it. Um, but it's the best thing. It's the best thing for him. It's the best thing for he can still. He loves to hunt shots. Now go hunt shots. And now it's like you know what the team needs you to hunt shots uh, because you're gonna you're you know the one thing I worry about with Clay Thompson is just how. Does he become a negative influence? There was a game the other day where Steph reached out to give him a high five and he blew right by him. Did you see that? Yeah. I mean that's a yeah. bad that's a bad look. It's happened and, a decent amount. And that means you're 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 kind of thinking about yourself, you know, and you're not and you're thinking negative thoughts about Steph, what? So now you're all wrapped up into how did Steve arrive at this decision to put me on the bench and was Steph, did Steph give it the nod? And you know, you're starting to kind of think too much about the decision making process because the Warriors empower a lot of their players with you know some of that decision making and maybe that has eroded some of the relationship and so there's more to what you know there's more to it than what meets the eye but if I was Clay Thompson I would just block out all of the negative thoughts and just look at it like hey right now you need to the second unit has to have an offensive fulcrum you can be that guy embrace it well, the other thing that I th- that I think Clay has to be worrying about, or at least thinking about, you're talking about him trying to just block out all the outside noise. Um, he's in a contract year. Who knows what his future is going to hold? Um, the Warriors offered him reportedly a contract in the offseason that he declined. He, he turned down. He wanted more money, more years, whatever the case was. Um, now you're looking at a situation where he's not going to get that same offer, I would not imagine. And if he wants to stay a warrior, he's likely going to have to do it at a major discount. I mean, Tim Kawakami, or pardon me, Joe Lakeup, Warriors owner, on with Tim Kawakami on the TK show. Joe Lakeup said that the Warriors' like main goal this offseason is not to get under the second apron, not to relieve yourself from the luxury tax a little bit. It's to get completely under the tax. Completely under the tax. And if you look at the numbers... There's almost no way that happens with a Clay Thompson re-signing unless you have other major moves that ships out major money. Uh, that's not Is even... that why they didn't trade him? Because they don't they didn't want to take back any money? Maybe. Maybe they let the contract expire and say bye to him. I don't know. But Joe Lakeup and who knows if you could take what Joe Lakeup is saying for the truth publicly. He's probably not putting all the truth out there. He also said that he wants and plans for Clay to retire a warrior. I don't know how both of those things can happen if you look at the money. And that's assuming that you you don't pick up Chris Paul's team option, which is $30 million. I, I doubt they do that. You can get out of a large chunk of the Kavon Looney money. Um, you know, you don't Resign a couple of other guys. Like you can get under that figure, but then when you talk about adding in someone else, you're going to be over. So Clay also has that hanging over his head, and that's got to be weighing on him. This is the only franchise you've ever played for. Your buddies, Steph and Draymond, are going to be here at least for a handful more years together. You want to ride off into the sunset with them, don't you? That has to be weighing on him as well. 
Steph makes a grip of cash. She's 50, 50. 50. Yeah. Draymond makes 25. Let me double check. Somewhere so, around there. Something like that. Don't you think Clay's going to want 25? I mean, they, they offered him 24. He's, he's not getting that. And he's not worth 24. I mean, if I said to you, what is Clay, what is Clay Thompson worth? What would you say? If you in an ideal world, you're re-signing Clay Thompson. You don't want it to be a bad deal. You want it to be a good deal. What's a good deal for um, for Clay Thompson? Two for two for forty. I was gonna say two for twenty a year. Two for thirty, thirty-five million. I don't know. So now you're going like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, well, and if he's insulted by two years at forty-eight, has this season been enough to change his mind about that? Though, yeah. I mean, that's this is why I was saying trade him because if a player is not going to be happy at a figure that, I mean, there's a saying, you know, if a good negotiation, both sides are unhappy. But if both sides are dramatically unhappy in this situation, that might be a negative. If Clay, so you're going to re-sign Clay Thompson and give him forty-eight million dollars? Well, that's way too much. Uh, can you win at that dollar total? Probably not. And then what? He's going to feel insulted by that. There's something really galling about overpaying a player who's made hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's insulted. He's insulted as you're overpaying him. And you paid him that, that for two years like, of rehab as well. Right. That almost seems like a get the hell out of here kind of a. If you're really unhappy with $48 million, I would have a hard time not saying get the hell out of here. Yeah. Because you're not worth what you're not worth what we're offering you, and you're not happy with what you're being offered. How is that not an impasse? So that's the question. That's the, the hurdle they're gonna have to get beyond with Clay Thompson. He's gonna have to you know, maybe the Warriors can get going in the second half and pull an upset in the playoffs and get into the play-in and win that thing and pull an upset, and he could be a big key of the second unit, and he could have a new buy-in that isn't tied to his his or his identity as a person and as a player is not tied to some dollar figure where this means respect and that means disrespect. You know, I, mean? I, I think that's kind of a problem, don't you think? I mean, yeah. he views forty-eight million over two years as disrespect, and I view forty-eight million over two years as way too much. Yeah. So where do you go from there? So Something's got to go? give. Something's yeah, got to yeah. give for sure. And, and maybe it's a, a contract from a different team, and that that draws him out. Who knows? Um, Which would be unfortunate. It would because be. He, Warrior fans love him. If he goes to play for the Clippers, I say the Clippers because I know Jerry West loves him. Let's say he went and played for the Clippers. The Clipper fan is going to evaluate him nightly on just what he's doing right now, tonight. Where here, he's going to have the feel-good of all the championship years. And there's going to be still that love for Clay. There won't be any love for Clay if he jumps ship. It will just be, they'll love you as much as you're producing in the present. This fan base will still love Clay. No, the, the, these fans will, but like I'm just saying, if he goes to the Clippers, oh, Clippers Clipper fans. fans are going to say, I see. hey man, he's given us X, Y, and Z yeah, right we now. We don't care that you won four championships for that right. other team. Who There's cares? no yeah, residual, yeah. Yeah. hey, you know, we're giving you the benefit of the doubt because, man, look at all the great years you gave us. I do think everything that we've heard from Clay, um, I, I do think it points towards 
the idea that he'd be willing to come back at a lesser price. Everything you hear reporting nationally, like there was a report from Sham Sharania last week that, you know, there's going to be a big market for Clay. Expect both L.A. teams, expect both teams in Florida, the Heat and the Magic. Expect maybe some teams on the eastern, uh, you know, out, out east are going to be involved as well. I think Clay wants to be a Warrior, and I think he would take a little bit less. But when we get into the numbers and breaking it down and what Joe Lakeup told the Tim Kawakami on the TK Show, which is an Odyssey original podcast, by the way. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, including on the 95.7 The Game YouTube channel. He said that the goal is to get under the tax entirely. Let's hear from Joe Lakeup, Warriors owner, uh, last week on with Tim Kawakami about uh, the numbers and getting under that tax line. Can you say you are going to be out of the second apron going into the off, you know, going into next season? You will not be. In the I'll apron. go beyond that. I'll tell you that our, you know, one plan one or one A is actually we'd like to be out of the tax, and we think we have a way to do that. That that kind of is the plan, not not just under the second apron. And that's I'll tell you why that's important because the truth is that we need to be out of the tax two years out of the next four in order, or you know, below the tax line in order to get this repeater thing off our books. We don't want to be a repeater. It's it's just it's just so prohibitive. Not to say we wouldn't do it if we had to, but it you got to look at what the downside is to doing that. So that's the plan is to try to do that, and we think we can keep our team together and and retain even the players that are we might be able to bring players back at different numbers and so on. So that's kind of plan A. But there's a plan one B, I guess, or probably one one A. And one B is you know we could we could go even further. Uh, than that and and we could make big changes if we had to if this team you know were to go slide all the way down here and not do well at the end of the year you know there's going to be big changes but if yeah yep. but if you know if we do really well we might decide to go the other way so everything's open we have to be flexible i can just tell you that the goal is to not be a lottery team ever the goal is to be competitive the goal is to win and ideally if it's possible to win championships or compete for championships Okay, so Joe Lakeup on the TK show saying the the number one goal of the offseason, and maybe things change based on how this season plays out, but the number one goal is to get under the tax entirely because we want to be under the tax in two of the next four years so we can avoid these repeater penalties that the NBA is now implementing. But then he also says there's ways for us to do that while also keeping our team together. Now, presumably, keeping our team together means bringing Clay Thompson back. But looking at the numbers, the Warriors, split between eight players right now, have a $137 million tied up next season already. That's with Stephen Curry, it's with Andrew Wiggins, it's with Draymond Green, it's with GP2, assuming he opts in for his $9 million. It's with Kaminga, with Moody, with Pajemski, with Trace Jackson Davis, not with Chris Paul. Um, that assumes the Warriors also cut Kavon Looney, just for the sake of saving a little bit of money, uh, only $3 million of Kavon Looney's $8 million are guaranteed. You could cut him, pay him the 3 and then you could be out of the extra $5 million. That means the Warriors, between eight players, would have $137 million tied up. Larry, the cap, the projected number next year is about 141 So you're looking at approximately $4 million left to keeping you under the cap, and that is even before Clay Thompson, even before any other little pieces to finish rounding out your roster, there's there's no way, unless you're talking about one of those guys who we assume to be back, maybe you trade Andrew Wiggins in the offseason. That would be how you get it done, but they cannot bring this core back, the entire core back, 
including a Clay Thompson extension, while still being under the salary cap. It's just it's it's financially impossible for the Warriors to do that. So if Joe Lacob is telling the truth, it means there is going to be a very, very, very active offseason ahead. I don't even see how they do it. I mean, Clay's an expiring $43.2 million, so you wave goodbye to him, and you wave goodbye to Saric, who's at two point seven. Okay, but you're still at 44, 40, roughly $45 million less than what you got now. Um, it says, what the numbers I'm looking at at Hoops Hype say they have 174.8, um, you know, committed to next year. But you're saying Looney is partially uh, cuttable. They have they list him here at $8 million. Yeah, I mean, I guess that means what? Maybe Gary Payton's gone, Looney's gone, and you find some trade for Wiggins where you're not bringing back. Maybe you're getting some kind of trade exception and and a player. I don't know how that would work, but also that doesn't sound like a winning team. Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason, and it's going to depend on what the Warriors do for the next uh, handful of months before we get to the offseason in the first place. All right, time for a break here on Willard and Dibs. It's Grandy and Larry in. Uh, we'll take some of your calls on the other side. Daryl, Rowe, Jonathan, stay there. We're coming to you next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.